This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, we started a brand new series last week for those of you who were able to be here entitled Celebrating Our Liberty. Celebrating Our Liberty. I thought that this would be an appropriate month for us to talk about that. Now, just a, just a little brief recap. Last uh, week, we talked about how that both in the natural and the spiritual, that declaration always precedes our obtaining something. You know, we talked about the Declaration of Independence, that they wrote down exactly uh, the, the things that they were declaring their freedom from, and they read it out in the steps, and men put their signature on it. There was a declaration that followed. We talked about the Emancipation Proclamation 87 years later, where Abraham Lincoln signed his name for that, and it it declared liberty and freedom for all of those who were in slavery. We talked about that, and that not only did declaration precede it, but in each case, there was a conflict that had to follow. Seven years for our our independence from England, and then four bloody years uh, for slavery to be abolished and this nation to be reunited. And then we went and we read back, we went back, and if you would, turn back over there because we're going to reread this scripture. But in Luke chapter 4 last week, we read a declaration that was made many, many centuries before by Jesus of Nazareth in his hometown, in his home church at, at Nazareth. And he made one of the greatest declarations of liberty that's ever been known. And that's really what we're looking at all this month. We're celebrating that declaration of liberty that Jesus proclaimed uh, well over 2,000 years ago. You know, as you're finding that place, let me remind you, you know, in the, the part of the Declaration of Independence, they wrote these things. He says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So begins the Declaration of Independence in stating the rights of our liberty and those things from which we have been liberated. Now, we look at that in the natural, and that was a a watershed moment in history, especially for this nation. But also, think about the repercussions that it's had and the influence of this nation has had over the last 200, 200, almost 50 years. So it's been a, a great, great ramifications, our liberty here, and the expression of those things, and carrying them forth and disseminating them around the world. How much more the things that Jesus, we're about to reread, where he made these declarations of liberty. First, we in the church must know what our rights are so that we can stand up for them. But it's not only that, but now that we're free, what do we do? We take this freedom and we begin to take it outside of our lives, outside of the walls of this church outside the walls of our house and we begin to make that declaration to people all around us you know i said uh last week i made this uh 
little point. You know, when Abraham Lincoln was up there in, in the White House, wherever he signed it, I don't know where he signed it. Maybe he signed it in the Oval Office. Maybe it was somewhere else. But whatever, wherever the signature took place on the Emancipation Proclamation, while he, they were reading it and signing it and all the dignitaries were around, there were people down here and in other places in the South that were still bound and, you know, and digging in the hot sun. Are you listening? They didn't know anything about it. When it happened, I mean, there was no internet. If it was, they wouldn't have had access to it. There was, none, there was no way for them to know that. Yet, at that moment when that happened, freedom had been put into motion for them. All they needed was for somebody, what? To come tell them. Luke. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread through all the country. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day went into the synagogue. As was his custom, he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place. In other words, he's doing this on purpose. He found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh, hallelujah. What a declaration. What a declaration. Now, I've kind of broken these down into six things, and we're going to look at different aspects of those. The the six things that that I've kind of... The way I divided it up, you may divide it up a little bit different. But they are these. Freedom from poverty. The right to healing and wholeness. Freedom from captivity. The recovery of our sight. Freedom from the crushing and bruising of Satan. And the enjoyment of God's favor. So kind of six articles, kind of the way I put it. Six articles of Jesus' declaration of independence for mankind. And he's declaring it. He's declare, he declared it in his hometown. And it's still true for you and I. Absolutely true for you and I. So let's look at some of these today. Now remember, let me just back up one more moment. We talked about, because some of you may not have been here. Remember we said declaration precedes uh, possession. But also that conflict okay, always follows a declaration. Because a declaration has to be enforced. We talked about seven years for the, the, uh, the Revolutionary War, four years for the Civil War. But in Jesus' case, remember, we talked about this, that there was a conflict that also took place at a place called Calvary. We looked at that last week in Colossians 2, and it says, at that place of conflict, Jesus stripped all the authority and the power of principalities, of Satan, of, of wicked spirits, all those things that were holding man in bondage all of our lives, he stripped them at, at a battlefield called Calvary. And so now, because of that triumphant conflict, this declaration of Jesus, declaration of liberty for mankind, spiritual physical, emotional, in every area of our life, this declaration, it is now in force. I said, it is now in force. All it remains is, is for us to go and tell people, you're free. Can you imagine? 
A guy down here chopping cotton in a field. Sun's on his head. His, you know, his dad chopped cotton. His granddad chopped cotton. Listen, I chopped some cotton. You ever been? I'm tell you what, that's no fun. But he's chopping cotton, and all of a sudden, somebody just shows up one day and says, "Hey, you ain't got to chop cotton no more. You're free." Can you imagine what that sound like? Can you imagine how good that would sound? Listen, church, we've got the greatest product. I don't mean to demean it that way, but you understand what I mean. We've got the greatest thing uh, that God has ever brought on this earth to, get, to, to give to people, to tell people. It's already purchased. It's already paid for. It's theirs for the accepting. It's the greatest thing in all eternity. Why in the world and how in the world can we keep quiet about it? You ever met somebody that, you know, they, they just started a, a, a new business or something, and maybe, you know, they're, 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 they've got a product, and they really believe in the product, and, man, they're all excited. You ever been around them? Oh, man, they won't be around you five minutes before they start telling, hey, have you heard about so-and-so? You know, man, this stuff is good for you, man. It'll, it, I mean, it'll do everything. Even put hair on your head. I mean, it's just the greatest, you know. Man, they're so excited about it. That's the way that you and I should be about this liberty that Jesus has given us. This is the reason I want to stir this up. And maybe some of you that didn't realize that you had all this liberty and all this freedom. The first one, article one of our freedom, freedom from poverty, freedom from poverty. Now I read this scripture during the offering, but I want to read it again. I want to read it again. For you know the grace, everybody knows what grace is, don't you? It's God's free, unmerited favor. It's free. Anybody know what free means? What's the definition of free? It's free without cost. Isn't that right? So he's talking about the grace, the unmerited favor of God here. He says, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. How many, you know, God's rich. So it couldn't be a sin to be rich because then God would be a sinner. I mean, he says over there in Psalms, he says that God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. And like one young man said, and the taters under them too. He owns it all, doesn't he? It's not, it's not sinful to be rich. He says that he, for your sake, he, was, he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. So God wants us rich. He wants us rich spiritually. That's, that's the most important. That's number one. Because man without Christ is bankrupt. I said, I'm going to say that again. Man without Christ is bankrupt. He has no right standing with God. He has no access to the throne of God, to the grace of God, to the blessings of God, to the benefit of God. He, he is outside. Let's read over there. Turn over and let me read you to Ephesians. Paul says it so much more eloquently than I can. Let me just read what he says. Reading, of course, he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.12, listen to this. He said, remember that at that time, the time when we were without Christ, he said, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. We were spiritually bankrupt. 
But because of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, all that Jesus has and all that he is, he says he's given it freely to us when we put our faith and our trust in him. So all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you come into the family, and as soon as you're born into the family, you go to check your bank account, all of a sudden, wow, where did all that come from? My spiritual bank account is full now. I mean, I can't even read all the zeros that's on there. All my sins are forgiven. I'm in right relationship with God. God says all the promises of God in this new covenant, they belong to me. That God uh, promises to bless me and direct me. And not only that, heaven is my home. Talk about the icing on the cake, the cherry on top. Woo. He said all this is yours now. Wow. Say that backwards. Wow. Now, he goes on to say in Romans, he said, if God has given us all this great spiritual heavenly wealth in his son, now I'm going to paraphrase right here. He said, you mean to tell me that God's not going to help you pay your rent? You mean God's going to be upset? You know, it's going to really upset God if you're able to take care of your family and they're, they're clothed and you can pay your bills. That somehow is going to upset God. Listen, God is a God of the whole person. Boy, we need to get this in the church. Man is spirit. He has a soul, lives in a body. He's spirit, soul, and body. And you know, God cares about every aspect, and He has provided in His grace every aspect of the human condition. First, the spiritual, of course. But secondly, what? He's concerned about what? Our, our finances. Do you think God knows you need to eat? That you got to have a roof over your head, clothes on you, take care of your kids? Sure he does. God's a good God. Say God's a good God. So first, poverty is a state of our spirit. And God has taken care of that through the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, and all of a sudden you go from poverty to unimaginable wealth in God. But also poverty is, can be a state of mind. Now, you know, I've shared with you a little bit about my testimony. Man, I grew up, you know, I mean, we were poor. In my day, you don't hear about it now, but they used to, in my day, they called you poor white trash. Anybody remember those days? They called you poor, poor white trash, you know. I mean, I don't know why they were telling a kid that. I mean, I didn't choose to be born into, you know, a family that was poor and the daddy was an alcoholic and abusive and couldn't keep a job. That wasn't my decision. But, you know, you grow up in that. You grow up in that where it, life is a struggle every day to put bread on the table. Life is a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. You know what? That begins to affect this thing right up here. I'm talking to some people in here. It, and, you know, and you get this mindset, you know, that life is a struggle. And that life ought to be a struggle, and it's hard, and it's difficult. And you almost, you know, I remember when you, God began to prosper a little bit, you begin to see this. I mean, then you got to overcome the guilt that comes because you feel guilty because you got something. Wait, this can't be right. This can't be normal. Driving a nice car? That's not right, is it? I mean, first car I owned, I paid $200 for it. $200 for a car. I mean, that thing, man, it was a jalopy, Dr. V. It was a jalopy, man. I'd, I'd go down the road driving that thing, you know, 
I, I, I didn't drive it anymore than I had to when I was on, on campus. Good thing is I could walk everywhere there. But I mean, that thing, man, it burned more oil than gas. Remember those cars? Oh, man. I think, well, finally, it just died on me one day. I just left it parked somewhere, took the tag off. It wasn't even worth paying somebody to tow it. I mean, it was a, it was a piece of junk. But you can get that mindset can get into you. And see, Jesus said, he, he was talking to these people here too. Remember, when he talked to these people, they were occupied by Rome. They were occupied by a foreign nation. And Jesus comes up in here talking about all this freedom and stuff. You know the story, if you've read it, they, they didn't believe it, got mad at him, tried to kill him. Can you believe that? Tried to kill him for get, giving them good news. <laughs> you ain't got to be broken. So it can be a state of mind. This is why the Bible says we have to renew, Romans 12, 2, says we have to what? Renew our mind. I had to do this. Man, I had a mindset. Poor, poor, poor. And you know, a lot of times with poverty comes a sense of failure. You're not going to be able to make it. You can't make it. You're no good. This is all you deserve. You deserve this. Because I had, you know, all my relatives all my life told me I deserved it. Come on. You know, and they had a little something. So, you know, naturally as a kid, you thought they knew what they was talking about. You know, that's, that's a kid for you, isn't it? So poverty is a state of the spirits, a state of the mind. But also poverty can be a state of our circumstances. A state of our circumstances that grips us. And listen, I know this. You know, some people say, well, you know, uh, you know, when you, you, you know, if God makes you rich, you know, that'd be a stumbling block. You'd be thinking about money all the time. Listen. Uh, I, I've been both places, like I told you, I grew up in poverty. I mean, day-to-day sustenance, trying to get by, you know, to where I've got a full supply. And I can tell you what, I thought about money a lot more when I was broke than I ever did when I had enough. That's all I thought about, man, where's the next meal coming from? How am I going to pay this bill? See, that's, that, that, that's, a big, that's a big lie the devil feeds us. I'm going to tell you what. When you get, you get more than enough, I'm going to tell you what, you won't be thinking about money so much as you will be thinking about how you can put it to use, to good use as a believer. Isn't that true? And we know in Philippians 4.19, it says, Paul said this, he said, my God, you know this one, shall supply all of your need according to what? His riches of glory in Christ Jesus. Isn't that right? You know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was poor, I mean, though he was rich, he became poor so that what? Through his poverty, we might be made what? Rich. Rich just means you have more than enough. You can, you can take care of your family and everything, and you got more than enough to help other people, to help the work of the gospel, to, to, to help the orphans, to, to build some churches, build some orphanages, support a feeding program, whatever it is that God tells you to do. How can that be bad? I would much rather the people of God be rich than some guy out here that, you know, that, that, you know that's doing some kind, of, some kind of drug dealer that's got millions. Why? You know, those millions ought to come into the church. I really believe that. I really believe that. And I believe that, you know, when the church will rise up and begin to take her rightful place, God will ensure that that money finds its way into our hands. I remember years ago, I was reading after uh, John Osteen. That's Joel Osteen. Most, some of you know Joel Osteen. That was his dad. 
And uh, he was kind of more in, in my generation. I, 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 he was older than me, but he was the generation I learned under. You know, uh, uh, but, you know, in, in talking about, you know, uh, wealth and, and, and talking about having enough, you know, all of us, as God, as God begins to work in our lives, as he begins to work in us, and he begins to bring up enough, uh, you know, he wants to raise us up to a place to where uh, he used to talk about it this way. He said, he, he kind of likened it to a barrel. He had a barrel is the way he kind of envisioned it. And he said that, you know, for years, he kind of scraped the bottom of the barrel. Matter of fact, he said, he said I, I got splinters because I was scraping the bottom of the barrel, you know, looking for those quarters and dimes and nickels. He said, but I learned this secret. I began to, to trust God. I began to see some of these things about freedom. And I began to trust God and believe God. And he said, God began to fill my barrel up. And he said, I got to the place now, he said, where I live off the top of the barrel instead of the bottom. I live off the top of the barrel instead of the bottom. Doesn't the Bible say that we're to be the head and not the tail? Isn't that to be above only and not? Well, that's true in our finances too. Isn't that right? I, I firmly believe this. I'll tell you this. I don't think that, you know, uh, you know the Bible gives us, you know, a partial description of the new Jerusalem of heaven and talks about streets of gold. You know, I don't believe that somewhere out at the, you know, at the edge of town, the, the gold stops and the dirt road starts. Come on. Poverty can be a state of our circumstance. So, Article 1, freedom from poverty. Article 2, the right to healing and wholeness. The right to healing and wholeness. Now, here's the thing. Let me go back to my illustration I talked about. You know, when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln, we go back to this guy's down here. You know, he's been a slave all his life. He's working in the field. And somebody comes and tells him, look, you don't have to do that anymore. You're free. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't believe that. I'm just going to stay right here in this field. I'm going to keep on chopping. My, my dad did it. My granddad did it. I mean, you know, that's just what we do. We chop. We, we work. We work in the field. We, see, you have to mix faith with the declaration that you're hearing. The declaration is made in the face of current circumstances. The declaration is made to change and right a wrong. That's the whole reason the declaration was made. These things were wrong. We're declaring they're wrong. This is what's right. Jesus came, said, man has been held in grip by Satan and, and in slavery to sin long enough. That's wrong. This is what's right. And he began to tell us. So what we've got to begin to do is what? When Jesus tells us, what? Believe it. Don't believe it because I'm telling you. Believe it because it's in here in this book, the Bible. Jesus said it. You can depend on what he says. Amen? Isaiah 54. Let's look over there real quick. Excuse me, 53, verse 4. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, sent by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. Now, if you read that out, uh, especially the Amplified brings it out where it says, He took our infirmities and carried our sorrows. I don't know why they translated that. It literally means diseases and sicknesses. That's what the word, pain, diseases, and sickness. That's what it means there. 
And so he took not only our sin, but he also took the child of sin, which is sickness and disease. Because there was no sickness and disease in Eden. Before Adam fell, there was no sickness in his body. There's no record of sickness. God didn't say on the eighth day I'm creating sickness. He didn't, he didn't, there's none of that in there. There's no sickness in God. There's no disease in heaven. And Jesus said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in So Jesus, the grace of Jesus, he's declaring freedom from sickness and disease or the right to healing and wholeness. It begins in our spirit again, in a right relationship with God. That's number one, absolutely. But also, he's concerned about our physical bodies and healing in them. Didn't, it, didn't the Bible say in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good? What was the good he went about doing? Healing all those oppressed of the devil. So some of that oppression was in, phys- in their physical bodies, wasn't it? He healed lepers. He opened blind eyes. People that were crippled, rheumatic, all kinds of things. He healed them, didn't he? Why? Because he was demonstrating the, the, the declaration that he had made here at Nazareth. He went about, once he declared that, then he went about enforcing that declaration of freedom and liberty. How did he do it? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I, we've taken up, the church has taken up his ministry, haven't we? Absolutely. And we first declare it, just as I'm doing to you, most of our declaring will be one-on-one. We'll share with people. You know, you know people that are sick, man, I'm telling you, those are, those are people that are ripe for ministry. Are you listening? Whether they have oppression in their mind or whether it's in their body. And so, Jesus paid for our healing and wholeness. Now, God's will is for our whole being to be whole and preserved. Look over here in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm going to read it to you. Listen to what Paul, he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants our whole being to be blameless, our whole wholeness and soundness to come to us. He wants us to live in the peace of mind so that our mind is not filled with fear and anxiety and trouble, but we have peace. We have a peace that passes all understanding. We have a joy that's in our lives. This is the way, this is God's declaration of liberty, and this is what we should be celebrating, celebrating the liberty. What better way could we honor what Jesus has paid for, the agony of Calvary, the, the, the utter horror of being separated from the Father because He took on our sin, what better way could we honor Him than to live in what He provided? God willing, I leave my children an inheritance. The great joy for me will be that they enjoy the benefit of it. I won't be up in heaven going, doggone it. Don't be spending that $10. 
I'm going to be rejoicing when they use it. That's, it honors my desire. Isn't that right? Same thing with, with the Father, with Jesus. If He paid that price, what better way can we honor? See, it doesn't honor Him when we say, well, I know He says that, but, you know, I just don't think God really meant it. Come on, let's don't insult Him that way. You could say that to me. It might be true. I'm just a man. I'm fallible. But let's don't say that to Jesus, right? Can I hear holy grunt? <laughs> he said, we're going to be preserved, spirit, soul, and body. Article three, freedom from captivity. Oh, this is a big one. To be in captivity means to be imprisoned or enslaved by someone, anyone, or anything. So if anyone or anything is enslaving you, how do you know if it's enslaving you? It controls your thinking or your actions, or both. It controls your emotions. Then that's a captivity, and God wants us to be free from that. Jesus paid the price for us to be free. We don't have to be a slave to fear, fear of failure, fear of not having enough. We don't have to be a, a, a slave to, you know, a feeling that we're, we're so uh, unimportant and we're so inadequate that we're, we're led about by the opinions of others. You know, oh, somebody said that to me, I'm crushed. Oh, they don't like me, that's it. See, that's, that's a slavery, that's a captivity, and God doesn't want us to be captive to that any more than He wants us to be captive to alcohol, tobacco, or any other drug. He doesn't want us to be captive to it, does He? I said, does he? He says he'd come to be liberated, to, to liberate us. We're free, free to love God, free to serve God, free to love uh, our brothers and sisters, free to love those who aren't even Christians. You know what the biggest captivity, I think one of the biggest captivities that, that comes on us as human beings, judgmentalism. Come on, I feel like I've got to set everything right. I, wait a minute, I need to go talk to that brother. I need to go talk to this I need to go talk to that. I need, that we need to straighten. We got to straighten. Boy, I, that'll wear you out. I just got to straighten everybody out. No, you don't. You're free from that. That's God's job. Hallelujah. You're liberated from being God. <laughs> That's a load off, I'm telling you that. Isn't that true? What do you say over here in 1 John? Let me read this to you. 1 John 3, 8. He said, the latter part of that verse, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That's pretty simple, isn't it? it is. Jesus, how do you know the devil's work? Well, Jesus said, what, what did Jesus say it was? He came to what? Kill? Kill still? If it kills... If it destroys, isn't that right? If it does any of that, if it steals what God has given us, then we know what? That's the work of the devil. And he says he came to set us free. We serve God in freedom, not in obligation. Obligation is legalism. We, we, a lot of, has happened in the church over the years. We've, we've mixed legalism in with some grace. You know, we tell them the good news of grace to get them in, but once they're in... Hey, you didn't read the fine print, did you? Thou shalt, shalt not, shalt, shalt not, shalt, shalt not, shalt, shalt not. You know, three hours later, we're still reading the shall nots. And they're like, what? Just hang on. We're almost through here. 
No. Listen, we come in free. We serve God free. I'm free to serve God. I love God because I want to. I serve God because I want to. Not because I'm under some obligation. Some of y'all need to let that sink in. Jesus destroyed the authority of anything to enslave us. Anything. He has destroyed its authority. Now, if you want to let it, you can. If you want to stay in the field chopping cotton in the hot sun, you can. Just stay right out there. But I'm declaring to you what Jesus declared long ago, that you are free. Listen to this. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Duh. Why did he set us free? Oh, so he could just put a yoke on us and beat us down. And he set us free. What? So that we could be free. <laughs> Duh. Why? Because that is God's will, intention, and purpose for all men and all women, mankind, is that we all be free. And see, when you've never been free and all of a sudden you get some freedom, man, what a feeling. Woo, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Now, see, we talked about you got to get this thing renewed because if all you know is a slave mentality, see that slave mentality, say, whoa, boy, now, wait a minute, you're getting a little carried away with this freedom stuff. Come on. And other people, even though they've been set free, they haven't got their minds renewed to this freedom, they will try to put a yoke back on you. If you read Galatians, that's really what Paul was talking about. The Judaizers, they said, yeah, now, now what Paul said and what the gospel said is true, but you still need to be circumcised and you still need to keep these laws and all of this kind of stuff. But Paul said, he goes on to say, stand firm. Isn't that what you have to do with your freedoms? Surely my African-American Brothers and sisters know that. You have to stand, don't you? Don't you have to stand? Stand firm sometimes. Isn't that true? You've got to stand firm. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Not by a yoke of poverty. Not by a yoke of sickness and disease. Not by a yoke of, of, of a disturbed mind, an oppressed mind. He said, don't let it. Don't let it. You know what that, that tells me? I have been given the authority under Jesus now to say, no way. Mr. Devil, no way. This is not happening. I'm not going to be ruled by fear. I'm not going to be ruled by legalism. I'm not going to be ruled by all this stuff. What Jesus has come to set me free, that I'm going to live and enjoy and thereby honor His sacrifice at Calvary by living in the freedom. Isn't that right? We know a new start's been given to us those of us who are Christians, who are believers, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, talks about this. If any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature or a new creation. Old things, what? The old is gone, the new is here. <laughs> I like that translation. The old is gone, the new is here. Everybody say that little phrase. The old is gone, the new is here. Let's say that again. The old is gone, the new is here. I mean, you know, if back in that day when I had that $200 jalopy, somebody had come up and wanted to give me a brand new 396 SS Chevelle. Remember those, Dr. V? Oh, 
You think, you know, I wouldn't be, well, you know, now I just tell you, I think I'll just keep this old jalopy. Are you kidding, man? I'd gotten that thing burned some rubber <laughs> on the way out. Come on. Come on. So we got to let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. You and I individually, we have to stand up. He said stand firm. We have to stand up in two important ways that we do that. Number one, by the faith in our heart. Romans 10, let me read over there real quickly. The faith in our heart. Did you know as a Christian, as a believer, you have faith from God that's been put in your spirit, in your heart? The Bible's clear about that. You can read it over there in Romans 12, can't you? It says that, that God has given each one of us, what? A measure of His faith, a measure of faith. The faith comes from God. You can read about it also in Ephesians 2. It says you're saved through grace by faith and that not of yourself. It's a gift of God. Not only the salvation, not only the grace, but the faith to believe it's a gift. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, God wanted to make sure there was no way we could mess it up. <laughs> so the whole deal is on Him. But notice here in Romans 10, by the faith in your heart and by the words of your mouth, we let freedom ring. Romans 10 Verse 10, listen to this. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth you confess and are saved. Now, that's true for the new birth, but it's true for every article of freedom that Jesus declared that day in Nazareth. You have to believe it. Where? In your heart. And you have to what? Declare it with your mouth. Otherwise, you stay in the field chopping cotton. You have to believe it in your heart. That's why the Bible goes on to say down there, faith comes by what? By hearing. This is the reason we're declaring it to you. Faith comes by hearing. But here's the thing. When faith comes, you know what you got to do? You got to grab hold of it. Otherwise, it'll just... You, faith comes, but you got to grab hold of it and keep it. You have to choose to believe. Don't wait for some feeling. Oh, I felt that. No, just you choose. God said it. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe. It. And I, if I believe it, what he said, I'm going to declare it. Remember what we said? Declaration precedes what? You actually possessing it. You got to begin to declare it. You got to begin to say something. So let me give you some action points here. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're talking about celebrating our liberty. Celebrating our liberty. What better way than to live in the freedoms that cost so much in the natural and in the spiritual? First, know your rights in Christ. Know your rights. They're all in here in the New Covenant. Get in there and read them. Study them out. Look for them in Christ, in, in Him, in whom, all of those kind of statements. Look about, that's who you are. That's your rights now. Those are your rights. See, if you don't know your rights, you know, somebody can take advantage of you. And this somebody will. He's called the devil. And he'll absolutely take advantage of you. He'll tell you you ought to be sick. He'll tell you you ought to be broke, busted, and disgusted. He'll tell you all kinds of lies, won't he? 
So you got to know your rights. And so when, when that thought comes, you say, no way. Hey, it's written. It's written. The Declaration of Independence is written. And it has been sealed by the blood of Jesus. Then make them yours by meditating upon them often. You can't just read them one time. You've got to go over them and over them and over them and over them until they get in your mind, in your thoughts, in your being, in your spirit. You get there to where I mean, man, when, when that, that devil comes up with a lie or something or he attacks your body or whatever it might be, immediately you stand up, wait a minute. You know, I, Cindy and I own a house, and, uh, you know, we got an alarm system and all that, but I'm going to tell you, if somebody breaks in, I'm going to be on them. You know why? Because that's my house. They have no right there. I didn't invite them. They, they're an intruder. They're, they're coming in. They're up to no good. I'm not just going to lay back and say, well, y'all come on in. Hey, can I help you load the TV? Oh, there's another flat screen in another room. You forgot it. Some Christians, bless their heart, they're almost that way. Soon as something, soon as the enemy comes in, they just roll over. Okay. Know your rights. Make them yours. Then speak them out loud over your life. Amen. You're, you're going to work in the morning. Good place to speak to yourself. What will those people think at the red light? Who cares what they think? You're free from that. <laughs> that might be the first thing you need to Hey, I'm free from that. I don't care. It's very rare you meet a person that don't have an opinion about everything. Isn't that true? <laughs> I used to say opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. Speak them out loud over your life. And then lastly, act upon them. Act like they're so. Isn't that right? You know what? As a citizen of the United States, you know what? I have a right to vote. And I'm going to tell you what. Nobody's going to keep me from doing it. Come this November, man, I'm going I'm to march myself down to the polling place, and I'm voting. Nobody's going to talk me out of it. Nobody's going to threaten me out of it. Nobody, that's my right. That's your right. Isn't that right? The same thing's true about spiritual things. I'm not going to let somebody, you know, no matter how well-meaning they may be, talk me out of something that is clearly seen in here that belongs to me. I'm not going to let the devil do it. I'm going to act on it. I'm just going to march myself right down to the blessing place. <laughs> Glory to God. And I'm going to receive and honor the sacrifice of Jesus by acting upon all the benefits, all the freedoms. You know, but it starts by us what? Letting freedom ring. Celebrating our freedom. All that God did, He did for you and I. All that He did, He did it for us. He doesn't need it. He did it for you. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.